Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 55 of the Recovery Lab podcast series. I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. And we are the Recovery Lab. We are joined today by Ruth Ann Rigby. Hello. Happy uh, Sunday. Pillar of the recovery community. Oh, yeah. She's a rock star. A genuine Absolutely rock, a rock star. Absolutely a rock star, yeah. Everybody loves you. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how we got you on we this get a lot. Of, we've getting... gotten a lot of chatter about your being on the show today. Look, here's the deal. So everyone, I don't know how, but everyone knows Ruth Ann Rigby. Um, literally, well, before you got here, I was literally asking him, how does she know everybody? Yeah, yeah. Like, like She's responsible for probably 15% of the guests we've had. I was going to say a little bit higher, probably closer to 20. 20%. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bryn absolutely loved you. Bryn Knox, um, she... She actually helped uh, co-host one of the episodes when Drew was... I'm so proud of her. Yes, yeah, she's incredible. She's just an incredible person. Um, and uh, we don't have enough time for me to mention everyone else that's been on this podcast that is, uh, they can directly... But we appreciate it. We yeah. really do. Oh, Absolutely. I appreciate the work Absolutely. y'all are doing. Yeah. Of course, of course. So um, thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us Um you know, a lot of times we're, we're just going to let God kind of feel out the conversation and, and direct us. Uh, Works and, best that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, what we're thinking is um, maybe spending, you know, a few minutes uh, to, to give a snapshot of what qualifies you uh, to be uh, one of us, uh, an a alcoholic what? or an addict, if, if oh. you label yourself that. Um, and... Um, so what qualifies you to be able to help people that are struggling with substance abuse disorder is what's what I would say. Uh, so let's let's take it away. Give us a little bit of a snapshot of, of uh, what happened, and then let's jump into uh, talking about what it's like now. Well, I'm going to reintroduce myself, if that's okay. My sure. name is Ruth Ann, and I'm an alcoholic. Okay. And I've been clean and sober 26 and a half years. Beautiful. Which means I really got sober very, very young in my life. That's I mean, because you're like you got sober when you were twelve. <laughs> yeah, that we'll say twelve. That's awesome. Um, I love being a person in long term recovery. I take my recovery very seriously, um, but I didn't get here the easy way. Um, I got here the hard way. I got here. Um, I I call it my other life. My before my recovery life, really. Um, I was a very successful manager. And I made the mistake one night of stopping at a gas station on the way home from work at about 10, 10.30. And I didn't know they sold drugs there. I was brutally attacked. And then that's when my life forever changed. I also grew up with a parent um, who is an alcoholic, who was an alcoholic, if you will. And so I have the gene. And so we did not know back then what we know today about trauma and PTSD. And in a short period of time... um, my life escalated into pure hell. And I, um, 
I had horrible headaches. I had flashbacks. I had night terrors. And uh, what do you do when those things happen? Well, you go to a physician and you describe the symptoms and they medicate the symptoms. And I became very uh, creative when I described my symptoms. And um, it's amazing how quickly we we learn what to say to them. I I was a master. I was a master. But in a, a short period of six months, Um, My life became very unmanageable. I was newly married. Um, My husband uh, at that time was a state trooper. He's he's a retired lieutenant colonel with the Highway Patrol now. But he's also my hero. And he did not give up on me. But in a short period of time, I became an alcoholic. I became a drug addict. Um, My drug dealer was my physician. I would go in a couple of times a week. They would shoot me up get me ready for the weekend. And the most important thing for me on Friday was, guess what it would be? It would be that prescription. And what does a drug addict do? They go get the prescription filled. They sure don't wait. No, 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 there's no no time to waste there. And so at that time, I went to the pharmacy over there in DeVille Plaza, and um, I passed out while I was there. And if you don't think it's a humbling experience to have your husband's man come and pick you up at the pharmacy, you know, again, I had only been married for a very short time. And uh, I went in for an evaluation uh, at a hospital here. And they, and they, um, you know, I manipulated my way out of it. They said, Miss Rigby, you don't have a problem. Just go and do what you need to do. And, you know, probably a week later um, uh, is when it got really, really bad. And, and my husband You know, he is a a career law enforcement officer. He talked to some of his friends at the Bureau of Narcotics, and they said, well, if you love her, get her some help. If not, she's going to be dead. Just go ahead and pick out her cemetery plot. And they were serious. You know, now we have the PNP. Back then, we didn't have a PNP, which is a prescription monitoring program where you can um, find out what anybody has owned at any pharmacy. And that would have saved my life back then, but he did it the old-fashioned way. He just went to the pharmacy and pulled it. And I wasn't a creative uh, addict. I went to one pharmacy. Right. And I am blonde-headed, so it would be very, very hard for me to <laughs> coordinate going to different pharmacies. Sure. So, but, um, you know, he did the only thing he knew how to do. And I grew up in Jackson. Um, my family knew everybody. And, you know, I had to be court-ordered to, to treatment. Because I wasn't willing to go, but I had to go before the judge, and and my family knew the judge. I knew the judge. I had to sign, and then I threw up all over his mahogany desk, (laughs) and I said, let me go. And I didn't, I mean, I went to Whitfield. I'm very proud to say I was a patient at Whitfield, because that place saved my life. Sure. And back then, we could um, have longer length of stay in treatment. And so I was in uh, treatment for almost six months. I was in detox for it seemed like eternity, but it was probably realistically two and a half to three weeks. And I came to, and I said, dear God, what am I doing here? What am I truly doing here? And my counselor at the time, she brought me into her office. She had a conversation with my husband, and he put his foot down and said, well, if she leaves, I'm going to divorce her. Keep in mind, I'm only a newly married person. And I said, And she says, well, what did you bring to treatment with you? And I said, I brought my Bible. And she she was very seriously, and I would demonstrate it, but I can't hear. She says, I want you to go up to your room. I want you to put your Bible under your bed, and when you're on your knees, 
I want you to pray and ask for acceptance and total surrender. And it talks about a spiritual awakening in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that was written in 1935. And that's when I had my spiritual awakening, and that's when my life forever changed. And I was in treatment for a very long time, but I never once asked when my discharge was, but I wanted what my counselor had. You know, you have those people in your life that inspire you and you want to be like they are or at the, be with the winners. You know, we that's what we hear in recovery. We want to stick with the winners. Right. And I wanted what she had. And so when I got out of treatment, uh, we had an apartment. We went to an apartment. We had our puppy. And for a year, I worked in um, a kitchen store. Let me just pause you real quick. So you said that you weren't necessarily willing to go into no, I treatment. Went on, I went under a court commitment. Right. But something happened. When a I, transformation happened right. in treatment, and it clicked for you. When I hit my knees okay. and I prayed and I asked for surrender and acceptance, that's when my life forever changed. Beautiful. Forever changed. And I never once asked when I was going to leave treatment. You know, it's based on your progress. So... You know, many, many months later, you know, I, I'm, I was able to be discharged. But um, that's when I decided to be of service. I wanted to volunteer. I wanted to give back. Um, I started volunteering at St. Dominic's Behavioral Health. I went back to school to be an A&D counselor. And I was at St. Dominic's for probably almost 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Experiencing the promises coming true. Sure. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, and in other people. And yeah, getting to see and other people. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, other people. That's beautiful. All right, so. It's important to me to always be of service. Of course, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's where I get the 95% of the joy that I have in my life. Um, it's as, re- as a result of. And you come and be of service at the Mississippi Addictions Conference. You come and volunteer. You show up. When we need you. Well, do you know why? Why? Because I never want to go back to the way that I was. Ah, there you go. And I was willing to take suggestions. And what I heard in in meetings was, hey, if you get out of yourself, you have a better chance of not going back to your old way of life. So That um, is the truth. That's why I do what I do. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to ever go back to that guy. That guy was not not a friend to anyone, including myself. Um, So... I was uh, at a point where I wanted to, I was willing. I was blessed with the gift there's of desperation. That, there's that word again, yeah. willing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. And what I think is so crazy and important to note about what you said about your um, your stint at, uh, your stay at Whitfield was, and I can relate to this tremendously. When I first got to treatment at COPAC, I was constantly looking for a way for me to get out of there. Oh, yes. It was uncomfortable. I was not a nice person. I was not a nice person. And what I love about what you just said is you were willing, and I think that this is very important for people to hear, you were willing to do everything that they said, and you weren't going to ask them for a release date. You were there. Exactly. You were there. And that's that's a common thread that we're, we're here. We hear a lot. Um, Jody, uh, mentioned this as well. When he went to treatment that final time, he was, he, he didn't want to, or I, I guess it was maybe Lynn Woodhouse. 
I forget, but um, he, that was one of the things that he said. He said I'm not going to force. I'm not going to force my timeline on you guys. I'm going. I am willing to do whatever well, I have. Eventually, to do we to. get there. I mean, I had that attitude after I'd been to treatment six or seven times. Right. I think it's remarkable that you had it the first time you went to treatment. It was ingrained in everything that we did. Whitfield has a good program. Oh, I, I'm I went a huge there one time. Advocate for them. I'm a huge advocate for the services that they provide. You know, they have to live through that stigma every day, right? But they do a wonderful, wonderful job out there with all the patients and the different units that they have, and the staff there are kind and compassionate. And, you know, they, they're breaking their own stigma. You know, when somebody says, oh, my God, you went to Whitfield? Yeah, I did went, go to Whitfield. And if it's good for me, it's good for you. There is, there is a stigma surrounding the state hospital. Yeah. You know, it's a big place. It doesn't have it. Well, own. you know, they do have people there that suffer from they have the exceptional maladies. The, they have the right. sickest of the sick people out there. Right. I mean, that's what we need. We need places like that for those sure. that are truly. The, they the need sick more the funding sick. than they have now. Oh, we need to up their funding. Hey, if you're listening, let's up the funding <laughs> for the I mean, they, Department so, of Mental Health and the, the state. Some of, of the people there don't need to be out on the street. No, yeah, they don't. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you know they well, they're monsters they're in there too. Constitutionally incapable of getting help, and that's why they're I mean there. they have monsters that live out there. Yep, on the forensic building. Yeah, I mean that's. Like, society doesn't need that. We're getting a little far afield. <laughs> but but miracles do happen there, and I'm one of those miracles that came out of there. Amen. And I had no of, idea you went to Whitfield. And out of 35 women that I was in treatment with, I, I've i been told that I'm the only one that's still alive. Wow. So those are some statistics that are pretty scary. Wow. So. Well, that's one of the things that, that we hoped to – help by having the podcast is to make recovery normal make you know try to reduce the stigma spread the word you know the more of us that are willing willing to talk about it to be out of the closet so to speak i mean i think it helps because i messed my life up in fantastic fashion daniel was well on his way to doing the same oh i was yep. there i mean <laughs> you know it, it if I can get sober, I promise anybody can. Lord knows, if I can get sober, you can get sober. Yeah, same here. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I think we all have that in common. But I think it's important to always be honest, always be open, and always be willing. Well, that's the thing that, you know, honesty honesty reverberates at a, a, a level that people can appreciate. Like, you know when somebody's bullshitting you. And oh, you know yeah. when somebody's being forthright. And the more that we can be honest about our struggles, the more the next person can say, I struggle the same way. They can find something in that person's story. You know, we talk amongst ourselves about this, and maybe on the show a couple times, about how, I mean, I've been sober for over six years this time. And there are days where I think about using I'm not one of these people that could, I don't ever, it never, it crosses my yeah, mind. And yeah, I, I think yeah, the majority yeah. of people that say they never think about you, I think they're lying. <laughs> now, they might not be. I just can't relate to being like that. But I want to give you an example. Please. So I was working in uh, the Dallas area a couple of weeks ago with Eric Button, sure. who was on your show. Of course. 
and I was checking into my hotel, and they were exceptionally happy when you check in. I mean, like they're bouncing off the wall happy. Welcome, and you're this and that, and we have this champagne for you. Oh, and I was we are. Like, oh, it's imported from Mexico. Oh, well, since it's imported. And they just, <laughs> they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. Yeah. And then I looked at them, and I said, I need you to stop. I said, I'm a person in long-term recovery. I do not drink champagne, so just stop. And if it doesn't come from champagne, and I it's stopped. not champagne. And I and and I and Your I Mexican champagne. And so is that gave, tequila? They, oh, uh, I didn't <laughs> Bubbly tequila. Know. I didn't want to know, but they gave me a six pack of Diet Coke. There we go. Hey, I, I mean, and I was truly happy. I can do business with Diet Coke all day long. But see, you have to set a boundary. You know, when somebody is pushing the limit, even today, when my husband and I go to functions. Um, where alcohol is, I, for me, I just choose not to be around people like that, that or around alcohol. But there are those functions that you have to attend for business and, and other purposes. But if I get in a situation where I feel uncomfortable, I can say a word and we're out of there. Right. You know, so that's how you set that boundary. We need an open Pandora's box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I, I heard this, this is not something original to – that I found up, but, um, you know, anytime it happened, uh, I'm the, uh, concession manager at Northwest Rankin high school. And the, the gentleman that, uh, grill the, um, the burgers outside of the concession stand, they were, they were all joking around. Hey, you want a beer? You want a beer? And I was like, I, I, I revert back to, and obviously they weren't drinking at oh, the, sure. but you know, I, uh, just, something kind of flashed in front of my eyes as far as like, am I ever going to be at an event or something where these guys are going to be there and they're going to think that I'm their buddy and offer me a a, a drink. So I just went ahead and repeated what I've heard a million times before. And I just jokingly said, no, no, you don't want me to drink. I break out in handcuffs and they all like laughed and everything. But the point is made there. I don't drink. Like you don't want me to drink. I don't want to drink. Nobody wants me to drink. Um, And it's just not a good thing. And I think, being in a position to be able to be um, open and honest and kind of chuckle about oh, the yeah. fact that it's, hey, it's that's funny. not yeah, that's not good. That's not good for me. Um, th- there's a, a a certain amount of freedom in that that I, I don't have to walk around. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not, um, you know, the, I'm kind of proud of it. I am. I'm not kind of. I'm incredibly proud. I mean, everything in my life, everything in my life that is good, and and there's not really bad parts of my life, but everything that's in my life right now is a direct result of me being willing to do something different and get sober period. My life was, it was a train and it was full speed ahead heading for a a brick wall. Um, and nothing would have changed. I would have died had I not gotten sober. So everything as a result of uh, everything is a result of me trusting God, and saying, God, I cannot do this anymore. Please help me. And from that point, God took me by the hand and said, all right, let's do this. Um, but I think that he was waiting for that that um, that vote of confidence in him that he can do something different with my life. Um, and he met me where I was at, and the rest yeah. is history. Um, one day That's at a time. That's kind of what he did for me. Right, right. You know, you asked me about service, mm-hmm. and you asked me how I got in this profession, if you will. So I went back to school to be an A&D counselor, and I was that at St. Dominic's for many years. And then um, somebody came to me from Pine Grove Behavioral Health, 
down in South Mississippi in Hattiesburg and asked me if I wanted to join their team and set up their alumni program. And, and uh, I was able to go and do some amazing things there. I did alumni programs before alumni became cool. And that's the truth. Beautiful. Did you go to, to Pine Grove? No, I worked for Pine Grove. Okay, you just went. Yeah. You Pine Grove there. is an extension of Forest General Hospital. It's the largest county hospital in South Mississippi. Right. Yeah, I went to a uh, like a two-week intensive oh, yeah. outpatient program yeah. there. Yeah. It was pretty, I mean, that was, there's a lot of good recovery in, in Hattiesburg. There is. Uh, I lived in Hattiesburg for a while. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. If my kids didn't live here, I would have I stayed there. It's it was, grown. It's really grown down there. Yeah, we do a lot of work down there as well, and it's, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. So you were commuting to Hattiesburg? No, we had an office here in Madison. Okay. Uh, we had an outreach office in Madison on Key Drive, and uh, I was I worked out of that office. But I then I then I switched from alumni to business development and marketing, and then I became a national person and I worked all over the country. Is that what you do now? Yeah, and just in a different way. In a different way. Yeah. Can you can you explain? Tell me how everyone knows who you are. Please tell me how every. I, I mean, how you're how we got the Ken Seeley guy, <laughs> right? Because well, I picked yeah. up the phone and called him and said, "You need to do this." Okay, well, normal people can't. How'd just you get do his that. phone number? Because he's a friend of mine. How is he a friend How's of yours? Friend? I have a lot of friends. Don't you have friends? <laughs> I have a lot of friends. Is it is it from the nationwide marketing that you do? Well, well, it's from that, but it's being a service wherever you go. You know. If I'm going to a conference, I'm all about volunteering. I love to be a volunteer. That's where I've met a lot of people who have became really good friends of mine. I just, I've met them through that way. And I've known Ken and Eric for quite some, I mean, at least 16, 17 years. And they're just, they're just good people. And you meet good people. You never know where you meet good people. And you just become. Trudging the road of happy destiny. There you go. And it, and it, and believe it or not, Wherever I am in the country, I can go hit a meeting and meet some cool people. Fellow travelers. And and share some experience, strength, and hope. Look, it's to the point, I'm just going to be completely and utterly honest with you right here. So, we could have Brad Pitt on the program, and okay, yeah, he's sober, what everyone says, be a great guest on the podcast. I don't think that I would be nervous at all about Brad Pitt coming on the podcast. When you agreed to come on the podcast, <laughs> my heart was like, "Oh my god! I hope we don't. Want to, I hope we don't mess this up." Ruth Ann is big. She's incredible. She's an. She's a power I am horse. Not all that. You are. Yes, you no. are. In my head, don't ruin it for me, Ruth. Okay, I won't. <laughs> uh, no, but the the point is, all joking aside, I was. Um, the, it wasn't nervousness. It was pure, unadulterated excitement uh, to get to talk to you. Um, oh, wow. That's what you mean to me. Um, and, and that's from the personal experience. When we uh, talked for the first time at um, the Ag Center, when was that? After February. The, yeah, that was February. Gosh. Yeah. Um, there was just, there There was something, I'm sure I annoyed the heck out of you following you around and talking to you, but. Um, I actually thought it was refreshing. Okay, <laughs> good, good. Because, uh, I mean, you showed up, you helped us set up, you helped us clean up. And we really didn't know you, but you immediately got into service. And when you do that, things happen. 
and and God puts those people in your life for a reason. A hundred percent. And sometimes you just have to sit back and listen. Exactly. Like that, that day, I, I don't remember exactly what it was. I was supposed to have work. I had, I didn't, I certainly didn't plan on going to the, the, um, not the Hilton, but the, um, Sheraton, the Sheraton. Um, I certainly didn't plan any of that. Um, I didn't plan going to the ag center. It was just in sobriety. I'm, I am in a place where I can listen to my heart for the first time. And I saw on I, I, probably your socials or somewhere that there was that thing going on and something in my heart just said, why don't you, why don't you go over there and see if you can help or see if you can do anything. And, and, in sobriety, I can listen to that voice. Yeah. I'm not able to listen to that voice when I'm in active addiction, unfortunately, or uh, whatever. Uh, I'm just not able to do that. So that day, it was just, I, I feel like that was just me listening to God's gentle nudge. Um, and as a result of that, you're here today, you know, and it's... And it's National Recovery Month. That's right. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. Like, that's that's... A pretty awesome thing. So tell us exactly, are you involved with that direct, like, is there an so, organization or is this just well, a... Well, it's a national organization okay. because um, it's called the, it's called National Recovery Month. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this time next year, wouldn't it be cool if there were recovery events all over the state of Mississippi? We had a 5K. We had a, another event. And we did some cool things surrounding recovery. And we raised money to help those in their greatest time of need. So you're you're part of that organization. Well, no, anybody can volunteer. Okay. I mean, right, it's, right, right. it's it's through SAMHSA, it's through Voices and um, Faces of Recovery. There's a lot of great tools out there. I mean, they have all the templates already created for National Recovery Month, and you can send them your events. They have great ideas that we can incorporate here in Mississippi. But I'm one person. You're one person. Drew's one person. But if we got together, we could probably do some cool things. Look. Don't threaten me with a good time. Well, I'm threatening us for 2024, September, National Recovery Month. Let's get out there and do some cool stuff and show people. Sky's the limit. That we can recover and we do recover. And there's a lot of help out there. A lot of help out there. This is the beginning of something very, very big. Oh, I can feel it. I can feel it. Let's do this. And so, you know, I was at Pine Grove for several years. Uh, Then God opened another door for me to go do some amazing things with an adolescent program up in Searcy, Arkansas. And I just go where he he really, like you say, he gives you a gentle nudge. He gives me a gentle nudge. And sometimes he has to tell me to sit down and be quiet, and I just listen and go do and serve. Me too. Um, And so that's important to, to, you know, you may not be somewhere long, or you may some you may be somewhere a long time, but it's just important to really, you know, listen to your heart. I'm very, uh, I'm very active in my church. I'm active in our church's counseling center when I'm not traveling at the Center for Hope and Healing at Broadmoor. I mean, we truly help. We run to the hurting. You know, we run to the hurting, and I do that all over the country. And, you know, you keep asking me how I know so many people. I really don't know how to answer that, is that... I just do the next right thing, and I show up when I'm supposed to. <laughs> I love that. That's the answer. 
That's so do you go around the country marketing sp- specific I, I, treatment centers? So I do, but wherever I'm, like right now I'm with Jay Flowers Health Institute and we have some really cool things coming down the pipeline that I can maybe come back and talk about at another time. Sure. But it's just really helping people get to the right level of care no matter what. So the treatment centers or uh, treatment institutions, depending on, I guess, what they I mean, we're, we typically talk about treatment centers like Copac or Pine Grove or Copac 2.0, uh, defining wellness. Yeah. So they will hire somebody that just goes around and well, they have, they hire business development people and they, I, they hire, uh, markers. Like I'm the chief strategy officer at Jay Flowers Health Institute. So, so you, I will, wear many you hats. will go to say Atlanta and no. talk to the something, such and such well, hospital I, and say, Hey, look, if you have yes, patients that. that need this kind of treatment, this is what we offer. But here's what I will tell you. I do a lot of conferences. I speak at a lot of conferences. And it's just really being that person, being that go-to person that people call when they need help. And so whether that's a therapist, whether it's a treatment center, whether it's a family member, you know, that's what I do. I can't explain to you why all these people call me, but it's just because they trust me. And they know that I'm going to take care of them and get them to the right level of care no matter what. Whether it's to J. Flowers Health Institute, whether it's to Pine Grove, whether it's to some other facility. So we do, we do what's right for that individual. But I also want to say that we do a lot of good work here in Mississippi. And there should never be a person that's a resident of the state of Mississippi. should They should know that they can always get the help they they need no matter what what because there's a lot of um, funding in the state of Mississippi through the opioid and heroin uh, funding there is no reason why a Mississippi resident cannot get the care that they need based on the ability to pay and why so, are so many people having to wait to get into treatment I mean well because sometimes people don't know how to navigate that journey and that's really when you pick up the phone and call your local community health center. Well, let's try to spread some awareness. So there have been a few times where I needed to get in the Harbor House or I you know, needed to get in the Pines or I needed to get in needed to get in somewhere. How long ago was that? This was a few years. Okay. So the times have changed. And so they have put in um, an 800 number for the Mississippi Department of Mental Health. So you can call the 800 number. I do not have it here at my hands, but we can certainly provide it to them later. And they can route you to the right facility based on where you are. There's also the mobile crisis teams that the Department of Mental Health started several years ago, and they're in every county. And so if there is a true mental health crisis, they will um, come to you, they will do an assessment, and they will see if you're a danger to yourself and others. And if you are, they're going to be sure that you get to the right level of care to the nearest emergency room or to the crisis stabilization units that they have uh, throughout the state of Mississippi. That's wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and that's important. And sometimes it's just trying to figure out how to navigate services. And so a lot of people call me to help them navigate services. That frustrates me more than anything is just – not being able to find out the information that's out there that can help people that can. Well, it's really changed a lot in the last two to three years. You know, we started the opioid and heroin summit uh, in 2012, many years ago before there was actually 
we just saw what was happening in our state of Mississippi, and a group of us came together and said, we're tired of it. Let's, we see the writing on the wall with we, fentanyl We, we all need that. to be able to create some things. And so Ken Seeley was one of the first speakers that came to that. And because uh, I picked up the phone and called him and said, this is what I need. And he came. Like a boss. And so, um, so I appreciated that opportunity. But we have had the Opioid and Heroin Summit. We did not have it COVID year. We had it in 2022. We did not have it this year, but we will have it. Uh, in 2024 I just honestly we ran out of bandwidth this year because we had a lot of changes coming down the pipeline sure but I just if somebody is listening to us today and they have a family member that's struggling you know they can certainly reach out to me they can reach out to their community mental health center they can reach out to their family they can reach out to their preacher there's a lot of ways we can help people but it's just really giving them that gentle nudge that they need into the right direction it's beautiful. And I, and I want to, I, I feel like I need to say this. <clears throat> Anything that you're passionate about, projects, things that are happening in the area or out of the area, and you're passionate about it, you're going to be involved in it. I am more than happy and to the point of being incredibly excited to replicate that first experience you and I had at oh, the wow. Ag Center. Well, we do have something exciting coming up. In December, we have the annual holiday networking luncheon and toy drive that a group of us came together probably almost 20 years ago and started. It started at Costas's Matthias's Daddy's Restaurant over on McWillie Drive. Burger House. At Bill's. And it started with like six people. And then today it's grown, and we're at Broadmoor Baptist Church on December the 11th from 11.30 to 1. And it's the annual holiday networking luncheon and toy drive. So you come and uh, we really celebrate those people with boots on the ground, like the therapists, the case managers, the peer recovery specialists. I mean, just everybody that really makes an impact on a day-to-day basis. And so a couple of years ago, we saw um, that the Boys and Girls Club of Central Mississippi they needed a toy partner um, because everybody was hitting, you know, hitting and missing. And, right. and so we, we took on that, and we were really able to do some cool things with them. And then during COVID, um, we saw that first responders' children really needed some help uh, with toys and things like that. So we have added first responder children to the annual holiday networking luncheon and toy drive. So we also honor our own at the luncheon. It's very quick. It's only an hour and a half because we're very mindful of people's times, but it's a very impactful event. So we have the champion in recovery. This is someone that um, is an advocate in our community who really is has boots on the ground fighting for those who cannot fight for themselves. So we honor them with the champion in recovery award. And I think you've had some of those award winners on. I, you know, I would say, um, I know they have been. And then we created the Difference Maker Award. And that could be a, a company or an individual that is, um, you know, making difference. This year, we're uh, adding another bandwidth to that uh, to really honor our first responders uh, that are very active in community. And so we're going to have a community activist award for first responders uh, and then a Difference Maker for first responders. So those are things that we're working on and you know that's that's all that's a hundred days away, yeah. A hundred days away, yeah. And Any so. anything leading up to that that you think I could be of service to? I'm absolutely. And we'll right. be glad to advertise yeah. it too. Oh 100%. well, that's great. You know, yeah. right now we're um, we ought to add a notifications section oh. to like the beginning. 
Like, like what's that. new and what's happening and how you can get involved. So how, how that works with us, uh, a lot of treatment providers come together uh, as uh, host sponsors. And, you know, we just want to be able to pay for the event. It's catered by uh, our friends at Bravo's and Broad Street because we just yeah. love those guys. Jeff and, Good. And they take care of us. They have for many, many years, Avon and his team. Uh, so we have a $1,500 sponsorship, and we have a $3,000 sponsorship. So we're uh, opening up sponsorships. They opened up Friday, actually. Okay. And so we're trying to – and we usually have a great turnout of people from all over the country. Treatment providers from all over the country come and uh, take part in it because they want to be – it's it's their way of giving back also. So that's some kind of cool stuff. That's super cool. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. So what do you do for fun? What do you do when you're not working or is work yeah, fun? I mean, you, you give and give and give and right. give. What, what, what do you, I know you've got some puppies that you love. Oh, I love my Callie and my Darby. Yes, they're they're yes. twins. They're 10. Oh, wow. They're chocolate Cocker Spaniels. Right, right. And uh, we just love them. So, I mean, I don't have children, so they are my children, if you will. We live out on a farm in Canton and uh, we have four wheelers. We uh, we like to decorate for holidays, so like our front entryway is all ready for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we moved from Jackson two years ago. Okay. I had lived in the same house I grew up in. Oh, off wow. Off of 220. Off of 220 and 49. Yeah. Life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So we... We've seen a lot of things. I bet you have. I'm just grateful I was married to the law is all I can say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <a> <laughs> huge perk. Yeah. Uh, I, a lot of, I bought a lot of drugs over there. I, I did a lot oh. of drugs over there. Did yeah. all sorts of oh. scandalous. Off of Forest Avenue, huh? Yeah, that's a scandalous <laughs> It's activities. popping off at 220 and 49. Oh, I'm telling you. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. But, you know, they're trying to get some things under control. They're not trying hard enough. Well, I tell you, I'm I'm glad I live in Madison County yeah. now. So look, you didn't answer my question. What was that? What do you do for fun? What do you love? What what? How do you decompress? Oh, that is a. Or real... do you need to decompress? You know, sometimes I need to recharge. Okay. Um, but you know, I really, I love being a service in the community, just doing different community impact events, not necessarily related to addiction or anything like that. Uh, my husband and I uh, started a nonprofit called First Responders of Mississippi right, right. about six years ago where we help first responders, their agency and families in their greatest time of need. And it's not just if they have um, a behavioral health issue or, or a substance abuse issue. It's, it's really life on life terms. You know, there's a lot of first responders that, that need help when they don't know it. Sure. You know, they are, they're career law enforcement officers or firefighters that have just been in that um, that path of saving lives on a day-to-day basis. And eventually, if you don't practice self-care, you know, it gets you. And right. so we like to be of service any way that we can to help them in their greatest time of need. And Chris Bates helps out with that organization, oh, too, doesn't he? let me he? talk about Chris Bates Please for just do. a minute. So He's I was, incredible. I was... You were texting me. I was in his office. He takes care of our website and does some cool, cool stuff for us. But I've known Chris for a long time because he was the executive director of the American Diabetes Association back in the day. And I served on his board. And uh, so I've known Chris for a long time. And, and he does some really 
cool things over at Agora Eversol and his staff, and mm-hmm. he takes care of our website and and that kind of stuff. So I was in his office that day, and and you were texting me. I was like, "Hey, Chris, <laughs> you need to be on this podcast." <laughs> so that's how that worked out. <laughs> I did. I looked straight at him. I said, "You're going to be on this podcast. Get ready." <laughs> What I love, well, I loved everything about that conversation. I had a blast talking, but one thing that really, really stuck out to me about the conversation and, and about him was the fact that he has that the insulin pump. He's type one. Yeah, and I thought he had a beeper yeah. when he got here. And, and oh, how, that's old school. Yeah, I don't know. If I asked him. I was like, "Why do you have a beeper?" Yeah, and, it's a life saving beeper. Right, right, and 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 that was that was he he um, equated it to. If he doesn't take his medicine with recovery every day, if he doesn't have that recovery pump on his hip, he's going to die. And something about that, when he said that, it just it absolutely clicked. And I think about that probably every day. Yeah. I think about him in that conversation every day uh, because, you know, I, I, I hop on a 730 meeting in Dallas, the Preston group, uh, every morning. And um, that is my medicine. That's how yeah. I get the, I, I get in on the ground floor. I... Uh, I, I get my medicine, and I so I, th- I think about that every single day about him and his insulin pump. There, I was in Houston working this past week, and I went to um, a colleague and I went to the Bay Club mm-hmm. there in Houston. Sure, it was like the coolest club. I mean, they had a bookstore, they had T-shirts, and you know they had those cool things like Yana's doing merch. Right, they had merch. Yana's got merch now. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they do. You can yeah. order it online. I've got I've got the, the <laughs> that's crazy the Yana five five five. I have shirt. that. I have yeah. it too. I have it in red. Yeah, I got yeah. mine is black. So. We I need to get some it. more merch. Yeah, we do. Know, we have some. recovery lab yeah. T shirts that are for sale. Everybody, oh, everybody yeah. needs a recovery lab T shirt or a recovery lab hoodie. Get some different colors. We're, yeah, that's what and and oh. So yeah. we need to get some. Uh, we're 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 in. I can um, I can introduce you to some people if you need that. Yeah, actually. Hey, and you know what? She's like the Godfather. I, <laughs> I want to. I don't know what to say. About so the other day, I got a uh, a letter from Costas over at Bridge to Recovery, and um, she sent the Recovery Lab a substantial chunk of change, and perhaps we could use that to order new shirts. We should. And thank you, Costas, oh. for that. That was Something. shout out to Costas. Unbelievable, Hello, Costas. Yeah, that was. She's probably in her cabin up in Canton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my, with my, no with no service. Yeah, yeah. My tongue just kind of dropped out like the the cartoons. Like it was um, above and beyond anything that anyone but has ever done what? for us. You're doing good things, and uh, she she loves to do things like that, yeah. and and that's the beauty of it, you know. She's an incredible person. Things will this come. is super rewarding for us. Oh, sure. 100%. It yeah, has this, to be. It, it is. It is. I mean, we wouldn't. We, we, this is not a money-making endeavor. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, y'all have come a long way, though, since that first, those first podcasts. Yes, this is yes, pretty yes. The first podcast didn't have any cameras. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, I, I saw, I, I don't know. Drew and I were friends on Facebook and I saw that he had started the recovery lab and it was that little voice again. It was something inside me saying, go, go be a part of that somehow. Weasel your way in there somehow. <laughs> and I did. And Drew has just been unbelievably kind and, and, and 
as a result of us doing this podcast. This is all his doing. No, no. Yes, no, everything is, in here no, is... is Here's this the has common been a thread effort. of all of us. We do not like to be the center of attention. <laughs> this is the common denominator right here. No, no. But as a result of this, uh, Drew did everything in here. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but as a result of... I did it all. <laughs> just take credit. Moving right on. He's just an albatross. <laughs> um, as a result of the Recovery Lab uh, podcast, I now have a, a, a real friend. Like, I've, I've never had... Every friend that I've had, I've it's been someone that I want to place in my corner, so that when I need something, I'll be able to tap into whatever possible resource. Right, right, right. And Drew has been my first real friend. Honestly, um, we we talk on a regular basis, pretty much daily. Um, I, I can tell him difficult things. He can I tell me difficult things. I think that's the promises coming true. I think so. You I know, think re- so. Recovery is very w- real. Recovery is very real. Right. And I think I want families to know that it's important that they can get their loved one help, and it's important for families to get in recovery also. Right. Because if um, Deborah and Jeff Jay wrote a, a book, It Takes a Family. Right. And it does. It takes a family. And... uh and families need time to heal because sometimes when you're in a family unit that is struggling, who who are the first people that are impacted by addiction? The loved ones. Right. The loved ones. And who are the last people to get help? The addict. No. They're oh, the, the first. The, the, they're the, the first ones. Right, 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 right. Who right, are right. the last people to get help in the family system? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so that's what you have to remember that so my mom was a a person in long-term recovery she had 25 years of sobriety when she passed away Wow! and so we were always um involved in i was always involved in al-anon and things like that i was and, just about to ask. and so i think it's i i want families to know that it's just as important for them to go to their meetings as it is for alcoholics and addicts to go to their meetings it right. makes a huge difference yeah my my family is heavily involved in uh, families anonymous and and alan on Dallas. I, I love it when you meet somebody that says they're <laughs> a black belt in alan we've, ha- we've had one on oh and she was is interesting to listen to oh bet and to share the struggles that she had mm-hmm. uh you know, and she wasn't the one that used to excess, right. but to see how, you know, and her, her yeah. loved one eventually died from the, uh, disease. And it's, it's interesting. Uh, and Daniel even convinced me to go to some Al-Anon meetings oh, yeah. and yeah. I found them to be. It's self-care. Oh, it's, it's incredible. There's something to be said about learning how to detach with love. That was something that I was not capable of doing. It certainly didn't know what the term meant. Yeah. Um, and I, that, that individual that was on, um, the program with us, um, she is a regular at the meeting that I go to in Jackson every Wednesday. You love the person, hate the disease. Right, you right, love right. the person, hate the disease. I wasn't able to make that. And, and the reason that I started going to Al-Anon was because, I mean, I had an issue trying to control other people in my life. Oh, and, imagine and, that. Yeah. Imagine that to, to try to get them to do things the way that I want, um, and which is just not healthy. It's not healthy. Um, and it was getting to a point where I was like, I was really struggling with it. Uh, and my, I talked to my, uh, my AA sponsor and he was like, well, a friend of mine goes to Al-Anon. Why don't you, 
reach out Give to him. Give that a and, try. Right, yeah. And uh, lo and behold, it's absolutely changed my life. Um, it will change your life. It has changed my life. And, and I'm not, I don't try to control this person anymore. Um, and it's unbelievably freeing, you know, tapping onto or tapping into the, uh, the the brief conversation here on Alan on my my family is going through some stuff with uh, a loved one of someone that's very very close to us and to me um and uh, this person is just in a spiral um and sorry to hear that yeah yeah my uh, my uh mom and dad were actually here in town this weekend for a very very short time uh, and we've we had numerous conversations surrounding this person and you could really, really tell that all three of us that were involved in that conversation, we, we make ourselves, uh, we, we are involved with Al-Anon. Yeah. Um, and you can tell. Yeah. The, the, the tone of the conversations, the, um, the, the results and the, um, just the, the conversations yeah. that were had were, uh, they were not hateful. They were not, they were healthy, you know, and, you know, we're it's amazing what can happen to us right. when our own house gets in order. I know. <laughs> Look, it, it really, really opened my eyes when we had Brad Garraway on. Yeah. And hey, Brad Garraway. Hey, Brad. Brad. And he, he and I served on the NCAD board together. Oh, he, cool. he was so cool. And I think we, was he the one that we had to have on twice because the audio yes. didn't record? Yeah, yeah, I lost but the he, episode. He towed the line and he showed back up for us. Yeah, but it was re- it really opened my eyes how much he, Brad for people listening. Brad does intervention work and how much clear path intervention, clear path interventions, and to see how much from the outset the interventionists are maybe is equally concerned about what help the family is going to get. Oh, it's, it's, as you they have are. to help the whole family. Right, right, right. Or the, the whole, whole it's just going to be a house of cards. And it, and it will, and it will, it will fall, it will fall. And I'm just, I'm really lucky that, you know, my husband and I, this September the 28th, we will celebrate 27 years. That's beautiful. That's our anniversary. And, and how long I, have you been sober? 26 and a half. <laughs> that was rough in the beginning, wasn't it? I was, you know, he thought, a, damn, I don't know what I signed up he's for. A, he's a trooper I in every sense you. of the yeah, word. He is. Yes, he is. But, you know, but he's also my hero. Yeah, that's beautiful. Because he fought for me when I couldn't fought, fight for myself. Right. And I fight for people and advocate for people every day. And that's what I want people to you know, you ask me what I do for fun. You know, I don't like to travel or anything like that because I travel so much for home. I mean, for work. Right. <laughs> but when I'm home, I want to be home. You know, that's like when when I leave here today, he's going to go get on a tractor and I'm probably going to go get on a skag, you know, and put my Bose headset in and listen to some CC Winans probably this afternoon. You know. I Hallelujah. That's Hallelujah. beautiful. Also. Bose, if you're willing and able to we'll take sponsor, sponsor the Recovery Lab podcast, let I me have, make a call. <laughs> I have, I have two Bose. I have the Quiet Comfort One and oh. the Quiet Comfort Two. So I, I can't do this. I, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. do this. I, I, have I can't to have outside the, of here. I, I have the uh, ones that plug into my ears and it goes into my phone. Okay. I still, I'm still old school that way. Okay. Okay. I'm still old school. Well, you don't have to worry about battery power on those. No, it just charges itself yeah but you know one takeaway i really want people that are listening is if they have a family member or a loved one that is struggling all they have to do is reach out 
and contact me. They can contact me through uh, First Responders of Mississippi, or they can contact me through J. Flowers Health Institute, and we can figure it out together, and I can certainly connect them to the people that need that they need to be in. Would you be willing to put an email address out there? They can contact me at info at firstrespondersofms.com. Beautiful. What was that that email address again? Info at the at sign first, F-I-R-S-T, respondersofms.com. Beautiful. Yeah, so they can shoot me an email. The longer the Internet's around, the longer these URLs are getting. Yeah. Well, Chris one. Bates will probably call me tomorrow and say, why don't you just put info at from.com? Yeah. <laughs> but then nobody would know what from was. Right, right. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So. But look, look, listen, do, do you realize what's just going on? No. Do you see Do you see that? What is What is we looking at? We're already at 52 minutes. I know, it time wow. flies. Time flies when we're having fun here in the <laughs> Look, we're at the lab. end, and I get to ask my two favorite questions yep. of the whole podcast. Q, Drew. What do you do poorly in your recovery? What do I do poorly? What do you do poorly? The reason I came up with the the last two questions. And there's a follow-up question. There's a follow-up. Is I, I wanted poorly? people to come on and I would ask them what they did poorly and they would be, you know, they would have this honest moment and aha uh-huh, and then they come back in like 6 months and we talk about it again. That's originally where that where this idea came from. What do I, you do poorly? When I forget not I, when I forget to do my meditation in the morning, one of my favorite books. That's what I do poorly. What's your favorite book? Oh, I have so many. Okay, that's fair. I have so many, but the book I'm talking like I always read from the 24 hour day book. Sure. And I always read um, from the NA basic text. Okay. And then I do from language of letting goes, and you can you should see my phone. I'll show you when we get off all the apps on my phone. Because if I don't have a book, then I have my app because I don't try to travel with my books. But it's just, it really, I fail at that when I can't find my book or I just completely forget to do it because I'm overwhelmed. So I don't like to do things poorly, but I do that poorly. In the true alcoholic fashion. In the true alcoholic fashion. Okay. What do you do well in your recovery? I've always done what the treatment team told me to do on a day-to-day basis i get up i pray i meditate teachable willing all all those those things things. i have to be honest i have to be open-minded i have to be willing i have to be of service those are things that i strive for every day every day and sometimes i may have to go start my day over i may have to go to the bathroom and hit my knees it doesn't matter what's going on i will go and start my day off over any time that i need to anytime And those are my things I do good and the things I don't do so good. I think it's important for people to hear what we don't do well. Absolutely. Because it's oh, well, so commonplace for people. In, oh, I, you know, I'm this and I'm that. And well, I'm, this I, I'm not all those things. I can't but, stand that. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, sometimes I forget to do what I, I forget to do the most simplest things. Like a book. Right. Yeah. It's easy to do. I mean, you got a lot of great things going on in your life, and it's it's diff- it's easy to lose sight of the things that that uh, got us where we're at. Sometimes, for me at least, I the can't basics. speak for you, but yeah, absolutely. Well, and for me, God is the center of everything that I do. A hundred percent. That's me, and that's why you're where you're at right now, and yeah. and 
reasonably happy in life. I uh, love life. I'm happy. I know. I'm I know. happy, joyous, and free. Isn't that amazing? And that's what God does for us. 100%. 100% of the time. All right, Drew. Well, do you have any other questions you'd like to ask? Uh, uh, just to say thank you for taking the time to come. Oh, I'm so From the bottom of my heart. Oh. I mean, I yes, really. thank you. All the guests, I, I, it really means a lot to me that y'all are willing to give of your time. Well, I love what y'all are doing here, and y'all are continuing to grow on a day-to-day basis. And I just thank you for what you do for our community and our state. Well, thank you. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week.